Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. You have to understand, in the 1950s, there were no portable phones. You had one phone in the house. That's all you had. It sat on a little table somewhere in the downstairs, and everybody used the phone. There was one phone. Like, if somebody called for you, you couldn't pick up the phone and go into your room and hide. It's a public conversation. You know, everybody heard everything everybody said. Yes. Bad. That was bad. (laughs) America is better now. The world is better now. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. That was Friday when I was optimistic about America. I'm not optimistic now because of something that happened to me on Saturday morning. On Saturday morning, I had to um, send something through the United States Postal Service. I had to put it in an envelope. It was a contract of some sort with a note that had to get to a certain spot. And because it was large, I couldn't put it in a regular envelope. So I had to put it in one of those 8 by 11 envelopes, you know, a a big envelope, and take it to the post office um, where I assumed it would cost me more money than if I simply put a stamp on it which is all it really would require until you go to the post office. Oh, fine. You have to weigh it. <clears throat> right. So I go to the Chevy Chase Maryland post office, which is about a mile and a half from my house. Probably a little closer, but yeah, just across the line. I'm first. I know it opens at 9. I'm there at 8.55. I'm in the lobby. Woman comes out at 1 minute after 9. It's okay with me. I don't care. I'm the only person there. I go inside. The woman disappears into the back. Oh, no. There is... Well, no. You got to hear all of it. There is a bell for service. (laughs) It's just me and her. She knows I'm here because she let me in. She doesn't come out. Don't push the bell. For two or three minutes. She doesn't come out. It's a Dunkin' Donuts situation. Don't push the bell. I push the bell. (laughs) And she says, I know you're there. (laughs) What? You know I'm here. I know you're there. Okay, it's 9.04 now. I'd like you to... Anyway, she comes out. And I say, I need to send this envelope. And she says the following two words. Credit or debit? Uh-uh. And I go, well, I got cash. Credit or debit? No cash. I say, okay. I leave. I go to the Washington, D.C. post office on Upper Connecticut Avenue, where amazingly, they took cash. And here's what I want to say about this. Did you start that conversation with good morning? How are you today? On the D.C. side? No. Did you ring the bell? No, she was there. She was sitting waiting. (laughs) I was the only one in there. She was sitting and waiting. You know, I might have said good morning to this woman when she let me in the door. Then she just disappeared. I didn't think that was right. Let's just just let let that go for a second. I understand if some sandwich joint like Jetty's says we're not dealing with cash. Name and names. We're only dealing with credit cards or debit cards. I understand that. I understand if private businesses do that. I understand if, you know, what else would I, if a supermarket, like the Amazon supermarket, decides to do that, they're not dealing with cash at all. I think it's wrong, but they're a private company. They can make their own rules. Unless someone tells them they can't, they can make their own rules. This is the United States government. This is the United, let me repeat this, United States government. Post offices are part of the government. This is the government that guarantees the full faith and credit of its financial system. Every day it prints cash. 
Every, it doesn't print credit cards. The United States government is not in the credit card or debit card business. They're not. That's not what they do. They're in the cash business, straight cash, homie. That's what they do. This was appalling to me that a, a government office, the post office, said, I don't know if they do this every day. They did it with me. You're looking at me like... No, I, I, there is a key piece of information that you did not share with me over the weekend, and I would just like to say this. You did always, I tell you about this? You always talk about how, how Howard Cassell just has his inner clock. You mm. leave me voicemails twice a day, every day. The first is always just under 30 seconds like you're doing a commercial. 28 seconds, and you're out. It's your father. Goodbye. Don't have to call me back. And the second... I think after you've been riled up, closer to a full 90. So yeah. I just heard that you had been waiting in line at the Chevy Chase post office. Now let's just go back 10 to 15, 20 years. Why is it that you feel like you have to go to the Chevy Chase it's post cool. office? Okay. Um, but no, the, I did not know that uh, I did not know that you walked in sort of huffing and puffing. I have a feeling maybe you could have worked a deal to get some cash action, but... The words were credit or debit, and I said, I have cash. I've never seen this credit at the post or debit. office. I, could it be a COVID thing? I know some businesses were saying, we don't want people handling money. It's the government. Yeah, well, they did it with toll booths. Remember, they said, we're not going to have people out collecting tolls. It's all easy pass or nothing. Okay. No, they take pictures of your license plate, and then they send you a bill down the road. Yes. But they don't impede your progress. That is true. I went with my letter. Assuming I could mail it in America if I paid cash. Exact change. And was told I could have made exact change. I could have. I had change. It was $1.32 in, in D.C. Maybe it was less than Chevy Chase. Maybe it was more. I don't know. $1.32. I was able to pay that. I, I just found this. This drove me nuts beyond words. Um, yesterday, by the way, and I don't think we'll talk I, about it. I have a good post office for you to go. The one on MacArthur. I don't want to service. It's too far. I got two within a mile and a half of me. Okay. You know, and I chose poorly. But so again, it's you chose. Well, you, you made it's the United facility. States government. Yeah, you made an assumption that a government United facility. States. That's why they call it the United States Postal this is, Service. This is not like going to the Safeway and choosing to go to the credit yeah, debit credit line just line. for no. you know, uh, yes. you know, efficiency. If the government's not taking money, what good is the money? That's my point. Trying to crowd, what are you doing to me? Trying to hurt you into getting crypto. Have you been to the Strathmore no. Arts Center recently? No, they don't take money. No, the parking lot. Oh, they, oh, yeah, well, now I always take a credit card with me, although I don't even understand how to do it. I don't. <laughs> Another thing. I'm watching the golf yesterday, and there's nothing left, really. There's nothing left. So I go through the dial knowing or thinking there's nothing on. I land on the Daytona 500. Oh, right. I didn't even know they were running it. I land on it. Uh, I go out. I walk the dog. I come back. They're in overtime or whatever it means to, you know, they're a restart or whatever, and I watch the ending. I'd never heard of the guy who won, but I feel at least I watched the ending. I don't know. Um, quickly on the, Ameri on the uh, NBA All-Star game, let me just say this. Please don't tell me it's a game. Uh, you don't get to 163 to 160 if you're playing any defense. It's a shooting exhibition. It's an athletic exhibition. It's fine if that's what you want. A skills contest? Yeah, yeah, it's what it is. It's not a game. It's not a basketball game. You can get to 163, 112 if you're in a real game, but you can't get to 163, 160 in a 48-minute NBA game if you're playing any defense. So let's end that. I have one other thing I want to talk about. This may take me a while. I got something in the mail from American Express the other day. Michael, read that out loud. Wow, 50 years together. Ooh, 50 That's years nice. together. American Express. 
And it says, join us in celebrating by choosing from a curated gift selection with our compliments. I've been a member of American Express since 1972. That's 50 years. I am much older than a lot of people who are listening to this show. One of the proudest moments of my life was at um, that age. What was I? 1972. So 23. I was 23. One of the proudest moments of my life is I got accepted for an American Express card. Now, if you're young, you're just not going to understand this because your life is inundated with cards. Everyone wants to give you a credit card all the time. They want to give you a credit card that gives you cash back or gives you points or gives you this or gives you that. It, it wasn't that way then. There were three cards then. There was, there was no Visa. Visa didn't exist. There were no bank cards. Banks learned from American Express to go into the credit card business. There was American Express, there was Diners Club, and there was something called Discover, maybe. Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe Discover is new. There was Diners Club, and there was American Express. Credit cards were fancy things. Not everybody got them. You had to pass. You had to be considered a good credit risk, not when Experian boosts up your sagging credit rating <laughs> to 36 and you go, oh, I'm in. It wasn't America. That's not what America was then. Credit cards were, were a privilege. It was different. I was working at Newsday, and I was beginning to be sent on the road. I needed a credit card. I just couldn't take cash with me and pay. In those days, people took cash, not like the Chevy Chase post office <laughs> over the weekend. But in those days, it was, I can't even begin to tell you how proud I was that I was accepted by American Express after I filled out a lengthy application and they sent me a credit card. It was the green one. Yeah, I got a gold one now and I've had a gold one for a lot of years, but it was the green one. And this was a great moment in my life. Told my parents. You know, look at this. I, I got a credit card. I was making enough money at Newsday. I did fill out again. I'd fill out an extensive form. You don't fill out any forms for credit cards now. No, it's not. just. Can I give you another one? Because they want you to be in debt. Mm -hmm. They want you to be in debt. Never in my life, never in my life have I had to pay a fee on my credit card because I've kicked it a month. That's I've taught my children that. Pay it. Just pay it. It's cheaper in the long run. Just pay it. And I got this credit card, it's obviously 50 years ago, and I was so proud of that. And this was so nice that they want to give me a gift. And there's a but, because there's always a but. <laughs> if you throw an extra 300,000 points. <laughs> they, told me, they told me to go to a particular thing online, and I went to it, and they said, click on Select Your Gift or the Get Started button to be taken to the Gift Redemption website. And there wasn't any, and I didn't know how to do it. So I'm going to have to call them. And they also said that, the gifts, when the gifts are gone, there are no more gifts. Hmm. So I could be, I got this a week ago. I could be out already. I right, could be out of the gift on. business. But I thought it was sweet that they were saying, because you've been a member it's beautiful for so packaging. Long. Yeah, it yeah. Is, it's lovely. If you can't get the gift, see if they'll let you trade it up for some points. I don't want any points. I don't get another points. Well, the holiday presents. I, I stopped doing that. <laughs> There's nothing I want, except maybe a Keurig. Well, I don't even want the Keurig now because I got the trade. 
Right. I want to use the, the trade. Press. Can we use the trade this weekend? Yeah, I'll bring over my digital scale. Yeah, let's, let's talk let's ratios. Try and use that. So, so anyway. when you're talking about the Amex card, when I had to uh, splinter off of, you know, as a dependent from you and start my own line, they made the mistake. They used my member since date. They put my, my born date on. So I've been a member of American Express since 1986. <laughs> you're going to get this gift soon. <laughs> you're going to get it really whenever soon. Whenever I call them up, like, thank you so much for your... For your <laughs> For your patronage, Mr. Fifty Cornelius. years. But you're right. Again, I had to... It, not everybody got this. People were turned down. It was a... It, I don't, I don't say a status symbol, but... Jesse is angry because she didn't get a card. Right. Yeah, she she couldn't even get the cashback discover card. She no. didn't get anything. Not platinum. Yeah, she's got no. terrible credit. Yeah. But it was. It was, it was like you felt like... If you felt like you'd arrived, I made some, it. Yeah, it, it's no, a, I was real. I was a real member of the workforce, and I had a good job. I was working at Newsday. This might sound like a bizarre analogy, but you know, in um, in uh, the movie uh, Saturday Night Fever, it was just about getting across the river. Yeah, you know, and and with Melanie Griffith and in, in that yeah. movie, it's it's the status thing that you're. Chasing. Well, that's not Saturday Night Fever. No, that's, but that was that's a, working girl. Yeah, but it was like the status of what I want to get to. Yeah. and with that card, you felt like you'd you'd made it. It's a hundred percent. I was making at the time. I was making I don't know eight grand. Eight grand a year. And that was enough. Eight grand now. Your monthly get balance. Used car. <laughs> <laughs> Eight grand. Eight it's grand. It's tell it walking, pal. <laughs> so what I miss, I've never had the experience. I've just, when I first got the card, it was a swipe. And now my card is linked to Apple Pay. So I just, I often just use it through my phone. No, uh, so it's like, oh, it's, it's basically hold it up in front of the, uh, the, the card machine. But I remember as a kid when you'd pull out a card and they'd put it on the little, like the tabletop slider, oh, like yeah. a mandolin, yeah. and crank it back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was so, I, I called my parents. I was so proud to have gotten an American Express card. And now a lot of companies won't take it because there's a premium that they have to pay on it. Right. So you have to use Visa or MasterCard or something like that. And I, I have a Visa card, which I don't like to use, but I have it. I'd rather use American Express. It's just easier for me to use American Express. But Still don't use your Amex for gas or points, right? When we are traveling for distance, I do it. And I don't do it for points. I do it for convenience because I don't want to go. I don't want to hold cash around and go into some gas station Wawa for you know. Yeah, fifteen on pump three. Yeah, I don't want to. Never let it go. Never let it go below half a tank. I go fifty. I give them a fifty when I do that, and it never it never goes all the way up. Actually, it's getting close. It got close the other day because gas now is going yes. way up. By the way, one right, of the great great slogans of all time: American Express, don't leave home without it. I mean, it's just. It, ingrained in your memory yeah. for that. So. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm anxious to find out if he watched the All-Star Game. I'm not sure he did. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X-Chair read. From the moment you sit in an X-Chair, your body will immediately say, ah, hope I did that one well. Ah. <laughs> so this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? <laughs> I doubt it. X-Chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? Doubt that, too. X-Chair can. It's all in the Elamax massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, the DVL, which I'm enjoying right now, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all reasons to love the X-Chair. Try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. And once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, chair, T-O-N-Y.com, or call 
X-Chair for $100 off your order. X-Chair is a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. XChairTony.com. Show the world you're smart. Use the code. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Grace Barber from Chicago, Illinois, who writes, Thanks for all you do to celebrate independent artists and introduce your listeners to new music. I'm hoping this contribution makes the cut. I'm a Chicago-based artist. My new song is called January, though it includes the line, Every year I find myself giving up in January. It's not about the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I wrote the song, played all the music you hear in it, every instrument. It's my voice singing as well. My dad tells me in baseball they might call me a five-tool player. I thought since I'm a graduate of Northwestern University... This might work to introduce a Michael Wilbon segment on your show. And indeed it does. It's January by Grace Bobber, and it's for Michael Wilbon. It's just for you, Wilbon. You should feel good about that. Very cool, very cool. It's lovely yeah. music. Um, how's the weather in Phoenix? Are you playing golf? Um, Is it good? It, it, it's fine. It's been fine since I got here Thursday. Um, 70s, beautiful, sunny, like three days with no clouds. Ooh. But hell, hell is coming because the whole country really? is about to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. The high in like L.A. and Phoenix and places on on Wednesday, I think, is going to be like forty-seven degrees. Wow! Well, I could yes, see they, yesterday at the golf. They all put on sweaters by you know by the turn. They all were wearing sweaters. You know. Yeah, I went out yesterday uh, to hit balls, and it was you know it was seventy five, and all of a sudden it was sixty five. And you, I just said, "Uh oh, so it's here it is," because the forecast is just like I did. I was gonna just leave here. The forecast is so bad for here, relatively. Right. That I just said, you know what? I'll go to Chicago. I'll go. I'll head back east, and I'll stop. I'll go to Bethesda. I'll go to Chicago. And then looking at the forecast for all these places, I'm it's like, okay, bad. no, I'm going to stay. It's all bad. You may as well stay. Whole country. It's all bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I watched nothing of the NBA weekend. Nothing. I watched the highlights of the Saturday night stuff. I watched a minute and a half last night, and I just said, it's it's just not for me. It's not a real game. It's an exhibition game. You feel the same way about this All-Star game that I do, that it's, it's not a real game. It's like the Pro Bowl is not a game. The NHL thing is not a game. Baseball is the only one that retains any semblance of game. How much did you watch, if, if any? I watched enough only because of Matthew. Right. Um, I wasn't going to watch any. And then I, I got drawn in. Two things drew me in. And, and, and these are the two things that were important because I – do feel the exact same way you do about the game, uh, which is it's not a game, and people aren't trying. And it no. okay, it's a shooting exhibition. Two things, two things a- changed it. No, no, no. Two things made this so worthy of my time. Steph Curry scored fifty. Yeah, he scored fifty. He he hit sixteen threes. Did anybody guard him? Stage, yeah, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, at one point, what what happens is there's one quarter that really matters, and that's the quarter where the first one to a number wins. Right. So now you've got to guard. Three quarters of whatever it is, they don't do anything. Right. Then they're trapping him and double-teaming him because they're trying to win the game. And Curry hits four threes in like five possessions, and two of them are, are near the logo. Two of them are like 30, 37, 38 feet. And you're just, you're just screaming because it doesn't matter. 
that it isn't a game. It just matters that Steph Curry is putting on a show, and that's what this thing is, is a show. That's right. And, and LeBron, is, LeBron is setting up Curry. LeBron's in Cleveland. He's, in, he's 35 minutes from his hometown. And he is looking for Steph Curry every possession. And he finds him four times in, like, I swear, it seems like it was a minute and a half. It's a little longer than that. And four times Curry hits these bombs. And you just, you just you go nuts, you're laughing. And so it was worth it because of Curry. And to see those 75 people introduced, presented at halftime. Halftime, halftime had to be 45 minutes. It didn't matter because the game certainly wasn't as important as seeing, you know, seeing everybody introduced, seeing Oscar and Kareem and Jerry West. And I mean, it's like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like 1997 when the 50, when the 50 men, the 50 greatest players were introduced in 1997 in Cleveland, um, only one person was deceased and that was Pete Maravich. That's right. Everybody else was alive. That's right. Mike and Will, they were all alive. And they all walked out. And so last night, man, you had, out of 75, I'm guessing now, I'm going to say 25 are now deceased. It just, it just, it was both something that could choke you up. I mean, for people, for you. You would have been more emotional about this. Than me, I, I agree. I didn't even know they were going to do that. I oh, didn't know that, so I never totally, went back to it. I never went back. That's the so whole I, thing. I didn't yeah, I missed the it. rest of it. Because, because I'm guessing now that of the 75, I saw at some point or another 55 of them, maybe 60 of them play. I saw all I'm of them. I'm going to guess that you saw all of them. 72 of them. Well, I... Who would I have Did not seen see play? Mikan. Okay. Is Mikan in the list? 75? He's got to yes, be in the 75. Yes, yes, Mikan yes. would be one immediately that comes to mind. And I don't know. I think everybody else I must have seen. Right. I must Paul have Arizon, seen. I mean, I don't know. If I saw know. Paul Arizon when he played for the okay. Philadelphia Warriors. All right. Yeah. And that means there's only one. So to see these guys introduced and walk out there, it just, it's, it takes, your breath away if you are of a certain age and if you love basketball and so i agree I, i'm sorry i missed that i should have i yeah, should have taped that last i agree with your suggestion all the time which is if you want this to be a game you make it the united states players versus the yeah. world players if you yeah, want it to be a game and if you don't want it to be a game you have this crap that nobody wants That's to right. see it's, and you so know it was just you know it's just it, it, the last two guys introduced just to wrap this part were magic and Michael. And it's just, that's it. Like, it, it's a showstopper. To see those, those people walk out that you've been watching, and in my case, so, and Charles said, Charles on the broadcast, and Charles said, I got, I got emotional. I got so choked up. I, I didn't know this would happen. And he's a guy who he played, and they were all there. So, so that, that it, it, I didn't know that would be the highlight of my weekend, but it turns out to be. So speaking of Charles, I read some quotes. Charles in an interview said, Charles was 59 yesterday, or I think yes. yesterday was his yesterday. birthday. He yes. said, I'm out in two years. I'm done. Yeah, I know. He's, I know. Do you believe this to be true? I believe he believes it now. He says, I'm not going to spend my whole life 
doing this. I got, you know, a little life left. I'm not going to do it. So Charles was here. With Charles, we had dinner uh, at my house a few weeks ago. And I said, Chuck, don't don't say this. You're not doing this. And he says, yeah. Yeah, I mean this. I'm serious. And while I'm just sitting there listening to him, I thought, yeah, he's serious. I, I, I think, one, I think the, 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 what can happen is the same thing that happens when you play. You love doing it so much that you can't leave it. Okay? So that's one part. And the other part is, my God, Charles makes so much money. People have no idea. Charles makes more money in two years on television than he made his entire career in basketball. So, and they love him, and they're going to convince Everybody him, loves I think. him. His yeah. life, Mike, his life is not impeded in any way by doing this. He does whatever no. he wants to do. What yeah. does he, I don't get this in his case. I don't get this even a little. He is a beloved figure, and it's yeah. not hard to do. That's right. I, I look, Tony. Was he want to be? Do he want to be an astronaut? Well, I mean, what? No, no, what? no it's, not, it's not about what you want to be. It's, do you just want to sit at your house? Do you just, I mean, what do you want to do? I don't. That answer has not been sufficient to me to convince me that he's going to do it. Do I believe he believes this? Yes, I do. And so I'm just like, I don't want to see the day where Chuck is not doing this. No, he's very I great don't want to at see it. That day. He's very great. Yeah, let's he's, let's get to a real topic. You're a, a Big Ten guy. Mm-hmm. I know how much you like Juwan Howard personally. Love him. Love him. He balled up his fist and tried to hit somebody in the head. He yeah, did. I don't know if he bought his mm-hmm. fist or not. I, I did. I did to me. I was. I watched that four or five times to make sure. I watched um, hundred times. What do you do if you're? You, you, I understand Michigan not doing anything. What does the Big Ten do? I've suspended him for a few days, a few games, several games. Here's the problem. The, the, the you don't want to see this, okay? You don't want to see it. Period. And I am biased toward Juwan Howard, who. Grew up where I grew up, literally right. blocks away. Who who has lived next door to my brother in his life in Chicago? Um, Juwan Howard is not some dude I know incidentally. All right, you can't do what he did, but the notion that it was unprovoked is kind of ridiculous. So the Wisconsin coach, Juwan's going to pass him. He is going to walk past him and not shake his hand. That's clear. He may mutter something, but he's going to walk past and not shake hands. This guy, who's a substantial guy, that's big as Jawan Howard, who's six nine, he just grabs Jawan's hand and impedes him, blocks his path, will not let him by. And I'm sure it would have been something like, "Listen, here's why I call the timeout. Whatever the thing is going to be." But he. He grabs me. He will not move out of Juwan's way. He is physically impeding Juwan from moving. And that's when Juwan takes his finger and says, hey, whatever he says. You can, look, you can't have it. You don't want to see it. I mean, if a grown man is impeding me from getting by, I'm going to have a physical reaction. And that's why I don't think it's going to escalate to the point where people are saying, well, he's got to be fired. No, he doesn't. And he won't be. 
And he's he's Michigan, not going to be fired. You could make no. the case for firing him. I will say this. He got in a dust-up with Mark Turgeon the other year. He was screaming and yelling. Here's what he needs. And it's the same thing that I thought of Brian Kelly five years ago when I watched him on the sidelines screaming at everybody. You need yeah. some anger management. Well, you can't have this. You need. He's not, and, he's not Bob Knight on the sideline. Routinely, is it? I think anger management and a suspension of three to five games. That's what I think. That's what I think. I don't think you have to fire him. I think you can if you want, but it's stupid to fire him. He's your alum, for God's sakes. Work with him. Work with him. If you're Michigan, and Juwan Howard stood up and got into a fracas on behalf of his team, you're not going to fire him. You're not. You may you may have to say, listen, you, you, we can't have this, and they okay. will do that. They have to do that. But I, I think what you think. I think it's three to five, and, you know, because you only got about three or four games left in the regular season anyway. I think I'd, I'd say you can come back for the tournament, but you got to sit until then, unless yeah, that's only so, one yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. That's, if that's, that's one game, of, you got to kick him out for the tournament. That's sort of what. One other thing, a, another guy you like, and unlike Juwan Howard, this is failure now. This is Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. They're yeah, over. Yeah. What do you yeah. do? Um, I don't know. I, I think you maybe wait. For, you, you see what he wants to do. Because here's what I've talked to Kelleher about. We've been talking. Matt Kelleher and I've been talking about this for a Kelleher is a Georgetown grad, so it matters. And I, 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 I talk to Patrick. I do. I, I text him sometimes after a difficult loss, and that's all there have been. And I just say, hey, man. You know, thinking about you hanging there. And, and you know what? You know what's so great about Patrick Ewing? Patrick Ewing with a, with a blue blazer on last night, okay? One of the 75. Yep. Patrick Ewing is a guy of incredible stature. I don't care if they've lost 16 in a row, whatever it is. Patrick Ewing calls you right back. Hey, man, thanks for calling me. Thanks for looking out for me. It's been a rough go. I just care about the kids. I'm going to be all right. Thanks for, for being there for me. Uh, and you hang up the phone and you're like, are you kidding me? Patrick Ewing, I've known him his entire adult life. And I have no ties to Georgetown other than the ties to people I met while I was covering that school. And I love Patrick Ewing. And I, I hate what he's going through. I don't know what you do. I don't know that there's any clamor to fire him. I don't, I don't hear that. I called Neville, who's a Georgetown alum. And Neville, just yesterday, and Neville said, what you, Neville said, I know he's your boy, but I don't know what to do. No one knows what to do. They just don't. It's sad. It's, I hate it. He's going to be okay. Whatever he does, he's going to bounce. He's going to land on his feet. And because he has conducted himself the way he has in public and privately his whole adult life, he will be fine. And people will say, come here. Come and work for me. Come be my lieutenant. Yeah, he's looking at an assi- assistant job. I mean, this would this is it doesn't work. It's not. It's no, no good. No, it doesn't. I just, I just. It's no good. Love him, and and I, I, I don't know what you do. All right. All right, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll take a break. Chris Eliza, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Grace Bobber from Chicago, Illinois, and this time she's playing with her band, the Fisher Cats, 
where she sings harmony and plays guitar and bass. This is a, a song called Blue Sky Day. This plays in crystallism. Michael, if people like Grace Bobber and her band want to send their original music in, how do they do so? Please send your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Chris Eliza joins us a year older. When was oh. your birthday? Was it yesterday? It was yesterday. Don't yes. sound so depressed. <laughs> I, I find them to be. I I don't. I find birthdays to be. I, I get. I get introspective, and then I think, what did I? What did I accomplish in the last year? And I don't know. I I find my, I turn morose. It's one of the really? few times of the year that I'm morose. Michael said you posted something about your birthday. I wouldn't know because I don't look at the internet. But what yeah, essentially no. did you say? I just said that I wrote about. Did you were depressed? Uh, <laughs> no, I wrote about the, this idea of normal and how we're going to get back to normal, and that normal is not normal. Normal is an idea that's never really existed. We've we've, we've sort of created the idea of normal, and that we're not getting back to normal or the new normal. Uh, anytime soon. So it, I try not to be too, nobody really wants, you know, doom and gloom, but I've taken the writing something on my birthday each year just to try to, it, mostly for myself, um, and also because I'm a massive narcissist. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <How's> that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but it, I find the process, I think you probably were like this too, Tony, but I, I definitely find the process of writing clarifying for just for me selfishly. And so uh, that that's the way that I express myself. It's the way I think things through. So, yeah, that's what I did. I write every day in a journal what happened that day, the most pedestrian nonsense in the world, but I wouldn't put it out for anybody to look at it. I wouldn't do that. And I hope that upon my death, my children are wise enough to burn every one of these <laughs> and not even read them. I'm hoping for that, but I don't I know. I didn't know that you journaled every day. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I think it's the same But just process. a couple, of, you know, a couple of lines, you know, like yeah. 10 lines. Yep. Just, yep. It's yep. mostly, yeah, I hit a bad shot on four. I recovered. <laughs> yeah. I had a good putt. It's really, it is. It's, it's so tiny and small and stupid, and I do it. I, so I am greeted this morning. It's 630 in the morning when I open up the Washington Post by uh, Joe Biden apparently says he's willing to meet in principle with Vladimir Putin, I guess, about this whole Ukraine thing. I don't think anybody would argue that there's no particular stomach in the United States for going to war over this. Nobody really wants to do this, and there's a lot of what used to be called saber-rattling. The difference, of course, is that Putin will do this. You know, I mean, you know, this is essentially for Putin— the Monroe Doctrine for America. Putin is a guy, it seems to me, just let me go on for about 20 seconds here. Putin is a guy who, if you think make America great again, resonated with anybody. He's a make Russia great again. He grew up, it was the Soviet Union. He saw all this stuff fall, fall by the wayside. He probably wants it back. You know, this, uh, am I wrong on this? Or no, is, uh, That's my no. read on it, right? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, his... Remember that he he takes over. He's been in charge for a long time. Whether he was officially the the president or not, he's been in charge for for a long time. And he takes over in the wake of what he post Gorbachev, what he categorizes as leaders who um, didn't see Russia as great, who were managing Russia's decline. I mean, it, it really is the, the parallels between sort of like the, the Trumpist message. They're the same person. And, yeah, yeah, the same person. Yeah, uh, and and he, you know, 
his authoritarian tendencies are are even more out front. Remember, he's a guy who um, spent many years in the the Russian uh, intelligence, yeah. the equivalent of sort of their 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 intelligence community. Um, so let me just interrupt to say this one thing: If you think our guy was a narcissist, this guy posed shirtless on the back of a horse. Come oh, yeah. on. They're the I mean, same and, guy. And don't forget, I mean, we always joke about Kim Jong-un shooting, you know, 18 on an 18-hole course, right? right but right. Th- this is this is a guy who uh, plays, plays hockey. hockey and scores eight goals. You know, all the other all the other guys on, uh, on the ice are afraid of him, so they let him score. You know, so, yeah. I mean, there's there's that, too. This is, this is Donald Trump without any of the um, bomb, sort of... Uh, resistance that a democracy provides. That's you right. know, I mean, it's 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 That's basically right. that. So, you know, I think we we're in sort of a, an odd spot because to to get to back to your original point, Biden knows that there's zero appetite for American troops in Ukraine um, or, or anywhere near it. You know who else knows that? Vladimir Putin, right? So they've now mass. He's not a dope. No, <laughs> He's not. no, no. 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 So they've now massed, you know, over 100,000 troops along both the easternmost border as well as in Belarus, which is in the north of Ukraine and close to Kiev, the, the capital. So Biden has effectively said, he said it again late last week, look, I think they're going to invade. Uh, I, I, I see no reason to, to not think that. There are some people who say, you know, um, Putin is doing this because things are not great in Russia, and he's trying to rally people behind the flag, and actually he won't do it. Biden has been declarative. I mean, he has been blunt that he believes this is going to happen, and he hasn't said this part, but it's, it's, it, it, it's sort of clear. It's like, and we're not, gonna, we're not going to militarily respond to it. You know, there's going to be sanctions. The UN is going to condemn, et cetera, et cetera. But 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 there's zero appetite for troops, That's American right. troops abroad. Remember, we're we're six months less than six months removed from Biden pulling all troops out of Afghanistan uh, for a number of reasons. But one of the big reasons being the American public didn't want us there anymore. So Putin knows that. Biden knows that. Putin, you know, now it's just a waiting game. You know, I think a lot of people who are smart in this space thought they that Putin didn't want China to turn on him, so he wasn't going to invade during the Olympics. Obviously, Olympics. the Olympics ended officially, well, for us last night, but for for, the, for uh, that part of the world the day before. So I think everyone is kind of waiting now to see what the next move is. But there's just more and more troops going into that region. You know, you don't put 100,000 troops on another country's border for nothing, t- typically. So, yeah, uh, you know, so- I mean... It, it, that that would seem to suggest the direction he's going in. So I was reading, I'm reading this story about how Biden agrees in principle to meet with Putin. And by the way, I am, I'm totally for meeting. They should meet. Of course they should meet. I mean, face-to-face is a, a much better deal than anything else. But it says, I thought I read, uh, but Putin has to guarantee that he won't invade. And you just say to yourself, do you ever play poker in your life? That's the yeah. guy's whole card. Yeah, he's not going to exactly. do that. There's yep. zero. There is so little chance. It'd be like there's more chance that tomorrow morning I'll be six foot eight. He's <laughs> not going to do that. It's just nuts to even say that and all of this posturing that goes on. I'll move well, off. And, this. and that would suggest 
to your point, that would suggest it is just posturing. It, it's so yeah. Biden looks. It's so Biden looks like he's open to diplomacy, but he's got he's got a, a poison pill in the offer of diplomacy, so it's not going to happen. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what is this thing in Canada? What is this trucker convoy in Canada? And more importantly, is it coming here to well, Washington D.C. to disturb all the traffic? So they they. Finally, last week broke it up. I, uh, here's effectively what it is. It's, it's a, 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 another protest against mandates of the vaccine, against sort of these, the ways in which governments are responding to um, COVID-19. There are rumors, and it's sort of hard to know, though. I don't know why it's that hard to know, because if there's like, 200 trucks all driving directly to Washington, but there are Same rumors way. You'd that, see them. Yes, yeah. right. You would think you could see them, but there are rumors. So Biden's, Biden's um, State of the Union speech is March 1st. Uh, obviously, that'll be the biggest speech of his presidency to date. There are rumors that the convoy is headed to D.C. for that to just, again, it's, it's aimed at disrupting, right? It's aimed at, like, blocking traffic and drawing right. attention. Right. Um, they broke it up uh, with the police in, in, in Ottawa, uh, but yeah. not before it caused a whole heck of a lot of disruption, including, you know, border crossings and that sort of thing. So, I, again, I'm not totally clear on how we wouldn't be able to know if it was headed to Washington. <laughs> it seems like, it seems like a, a huge amount of cars or trucks, excuse me, headed in that direction would be noticeable, but I think it's, it's right now we're in the rumor stage, but it would be aimed at, you know, protesting vaccine mandates. So a lot of the same stuff that we've seen uh, government try to tackle, I mean, uh, you've seen California in the last week go transition to what, what they're calling sort of an endemic program. Effectively, yeah. we're not going to treat uh, COVID-19 like a pandemic anymore. We're going to treat it like the cold or the flu, that yes, it's still out there. Yes, people are going to get it, but we, but it's going to be, here's how we manage it. We're going to test. We're going to do that sort of thing, but we're not going to uh, react as aggressively as we have in the past. And I think that's a fight you've seen. Uh, I know you were talking to Chuck about this uh, last week. You know, New Jersey and Connecticut uh, and some of these other Democratic states wipe out their mask mandates. And uh, obviously Virginia, where I live, uh, did the same thing. There are plenty of kids who, who are in schools now where masks are optional. I think that's where we're headed. Uh, the question is how fast. Uh, and I think that's where you get these protests as people who are saying it needs to be today as opposed to, okay, we're, we're headed down that direction. So what is happening right now, the big winner, of course, is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is going to get by Always. the playoffs. He's going to get to play in every single game. Kyrie Irving, the worst teammate in history. Let me draw this very specific distinction. I cannot stand Novak Djokovic, but he's only doing this to himself. He's not doing it to a full team. Kyrie Irving, you cannot play with this guy. Um, there is no longer... It's going to land, obviously, on Anthony Fauci and others, but there's no longer a stomaching of yeah. all the masks and all the yeah. mandates. And politicians who are, if they're any good, they're a little bit ahead of everybody else. Politicians have figured this out, blue yeah. politicians as well as red politicians. It is interesting. It's a name that we're going to talk about a lot in the next year or two. Glenn Youngkin found a lane, Chris. He's your... He's your governor. You live in Virginia. Yep. Yep. He found an express lane ahead of everybody else. Did he not? He did. Yeah, 
Brian, um, you know, I think we, we focused a lot on his ability to keep the Trump people on board while not losing suburban swing voters. We should have focused, or I mean, and that is true, and that is important in the Republican Party. But I think the the, the real key for Youngkin was he latched on to this idea of parental frustration. Yes. Um, whether it's masks uh, in schools, whether it's um, schools ha- being closed, yeah. whether it's some of this what 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 he would describe as the, this this woke wokeness over what you can teach, um, and that counteracted people's dislike of Trump in the suburbs. I mean, if you look at where Youngkin ran well, the suburbs of Richmond, you know, not not the immediate suburbs of Washington, but the exurbs of Washington, he did better than most Republicans. And he beat a guy who was well-liked. Yeah, absolutely. McAuliffe was well-liked. And and Terry had had four years of being governor that were generally viewed as successful uh, in in Virginia. I think that race was less about Youngkin and Terry and more about sort of the the state and coming national political environment. Look, you can argue whether they should be or not, but a reality here is parents are pissed. They are pissed off. And that anger, anger is the most motivating thing to vote, more so than hope, more so than any other positive emotion. Anger and frustration is what makes people turn out and vote. Just is, always has been. And I think you're going to see a lot of Republicans copy that Youngkin playbook and say, "Look, I want to. I want schools to be mask-free. Uh, you know, I don't. I want. I don't want these mandates for the vaccine. Um, we need to get back to normal. And that is again, I say normal in quotes because it's. I'm not sure what that means. It means something different for everybody, to be totally honest. But I think that's a very powerful message. And politicians just, are uh, politicians are copycats. I mean, that's just yeah. to remember. If something works for one. The rest copy it. That's how it I'll just works. say this. And you're going to see a lot of copying of Glenn Youngkin. The country divides. It doesn't divide 80-20. It doesn't. It no. divides at the most 57-43 or something like that. But usually it divides yes. Usually it divides 53-47. Yep. So you don't have to get many people on your side to win. You don't nope. have to. That's how it That's works. Exactly right. I can't let you go without asking about Georgetown. The last time I looked, they hadn't. They still hadn't won any Big East games. I think they'd lost more than two. I think it was sixteen. Do you uh, want to? Why don't? Do you want to just come over and just poke me directly in the <laughs> eye after the show? Is it? That's totally do? fine. Um, they are now zero and fifteen in conference. Um, there is there are three other teams that are zero four in conference play. None in the Power Five, and the other three all have a first year coach. So they're all in the midst of a rebuild. Um, I read a story over the weekend that said that after Georgetown made the NCAA tournament last year, they they made a sort of very uh, unlikely run to the Big East uh, Tournament Championship, that they extended Patrick Ewing, they gave him a contract extension, which means that if they are going to get rid of him, they are going to have to pay him out even even more money. And that same story said Ewing retained significant support within the uh, university, which I don't understand because again we're zero and fifteen in Big East play. We play at we play sorry DePaul home Thursday. Circle your calendars, folks, because that's the only chance. If we don't win right. that one, we're going over the conference. And, right. and and I don't see how Ewing keeps his job if that's the case. I, I just don't. Over the conference seems to me to be uh, a an absolute new low in a program that was once great. 
I will just say this in, in rebuttal to that. Georgetown University cannot fire Patrick Ewing. No, they can't. You're they right. can't. And so whatever the duration of his contract is, if he wants it, mm-hmm. he's going to get it. Because it would be – and I'm not going to argue he's a good coach. I would go – not what he did. You can't fire him. Can't. Really you're can't. totally right. You're, you're 100% can't. right. He can only resign yep. and not even necessarily resign under pressure. That's and, right. uh, you know, as much as I think that this season is evidence that it just didn't work, I have no ill will toward him. I don't feel to him like I feel to Craig Eshrick, who just stinks. Right. But uh, <laughs> it just not, it's just not working. You know, I, it, it's like my seventh grade girlfriend told me. It's just not working, Chris. And uh, <laughs> I think, uh, funny. Get I out think, on that. That's uh, I funny. Think, I think we've reached, we've reached a point where, where there's, yeah. you don't come back from it. It's a good line to get out on. Thank you, Chris. Chris Eliza, boys Thank and girls, you. we will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Griffin, who writes, I'm a transplanted Canadian, born in St. John, not St. John's, blues pianist, now living and playing the blues in Dorset, England. Consider myself a loyal little from way back. Hereby, humbly submit a bluesy version of the mailbag jingle and ask to be considered for the post of official transplanted Canadian blues pianist, now living in England, of the Tony Kornheiser Show. You got that. Thank you for all the years of information and laughs, etc., etc. How great is that? Bruce Griffin. Makes me think, uh, when you talk about people that can play the piano, when you can sit down and do something like that, How that's just that? spectacular. You got a Bethesda bagel read for I us? I do indeed. We got the bagel sandwiches today. Always a great day for that. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say they call me Mr. Pitiful. Baby, that's my name now. Call me Mr. Pitiful. That's how I got my fame. But people just don't understand now what makes a man feel so blue. Oh, they call me Mr. Pitiful, because I lost someone just like you. The Great, great. Otis Redding. <laughs> this is just a fantastic song. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Chris Saliza. Thanks to our sponsor, X Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Here's a great email from Evan Rerig in Brinigsville, Pennsylvania. You want to talk about the connective tissue of this show? Try this one on for size. I reside in Brinigsville, Pennsylvania. Just a quite literal minute up the road from McCungie, where Stu and young Jared live. I'm a marketing specialist for the company that provides the food service at Binghamton. <laughs> One of the primary focuses of my position is, you guessed at meal plans. While I'm based at Lehigh University, I'm fairly confident I can answer any questions they have about meal plans. And if I can, I know Jim, the general manager of the dining program at Binghamton, and would be happy to connect them. Tell Stu and Jared I'd be happy to meet them up at a local establishment, maybe the Buckeye Tavern or the 7060... 1760 Pub and Grill and chat about everything a young lad needs to know about dining on a college campus. 
How great is that? I hope this kid applies. Yes. And I hope he gets in. Yes. A haiku from Shad. Be true to your school and make five bucks on the side. <laughs> Harper taught you well. That's a good one. I'm in trouble separating these. Okay. Uh, from Jordan in Lindenhurst, New York. Lindenhurst is on Long Island. Hey, Tom. Was just wondering if that $5 offer was limited to admission or if you could work your magic to convince Harvey Stenger to change the name of a school on an already earned degree. I graduated from one of those lesser SUNYs you love to mention, Albany, not Stony Brook. Suck it, Seawolves. <laughs> Enjoy no conference play, no NCAA play, and then falling to the bottom of a new conference. But I would love to finally make my parents proud and have a degree from a higher quality school. I'll be waiting by the mailbox, eagerly anticipating any response. P.S. Glad to hear DG is doing well. That's <laughs> along my best. Great is that. Brian Spear, Vice President of Communications at Muhlenberg College. The whole who was famous was. from my town thing made me double check on my hometown, Springfield, New Jersey. Lo and behold, Claudio Reyna grew up there. I had no idea. Other than that, other than that, I have high school classmates that were convicted of racketeering. I know a very Jersey thing. <laughs> By the way, shout out to the fellow Littles in McCungie, Pennsylvania. So he must be originally, well, close to McCungie. Close to McCungie, yes. This is in the Lehigh Valley. Yes. Um, Ellie, or Ely, from Oak Park, Michigan. Uh, I couldn't help but include myself in the newest of Silly Mr. Tony games. Ever heard of the song My Sharona by The Knack? One of the great rock and roll songs of all time. It is. It's yeah, a, it's a great, great song. song. Yes. My, my, my Sharona. Well, the lead singer of The Knack, Doug Figer, was born in Oak Park. Doug has a brother named Jeffrey, an attorney who is most known for representing Jack Kevorkian. <laughs> Jack Kevorkian. Uh, Brian from Matsuyama. Are we still doing the famous people for your hometown? Are foreign entries allowed? Here in Matsuyama, Japan, we have at least one person who you know who Deki, Hideki Matsuyama is from Matsuyama, which is nice that his last name tells you where he's from. But we also lay claim to Natsumi Soseki. That's pronounced Natsume, um, who is probably Japan's most renowned author. He used to be on the thousand yen bill until he got replaced by a biologist. Tempest Fugit, kids. <laughs> one day you're on the bill. The next day you're in the street. <laughs> Rabbi Reuven Spolter. On the subject of famous people for your hometown, because the yeshiva parochial school where I went to high school had our non-Jewish subjects in the afternoon, many of our teachers were public school teachers who would come over for new additional chance, classes in the late afternoon. Mr. Curry, a quite excellent math teacher, come to mind. One day he told us about a student of his who had studied in his math class in Montgomery Blair High School some years beforehand. This was the mid-80s. He said this young woman just didn't have a head for math and wasn't really pulling her weight in class. So the principal called her, her parents, and the math teacher in for a conference to explain that her drama and arts were wonderful diversions, but she was never going to be able to support herself without applying herself in, a study, in her studies. Without missing a beat, Mr. Curry looked at us and said, well, I guess that Goldie Holm had the last word on that one. From Ruben Spolter and Yad Binyamin in Israel. Brett Gates, Columbus, Ohio. May I interest you in the hometown of Marion, Ohio, who claims former President Warren G. Harding? You might say, why claim fame to who in many political circles is regarded as one of the worst presidents? Loyalty, yes. that's why. <laughs> Teapot Dome scandal, no matter. We'll build the largest memorial outside of D.C. that also doubles as a solid sledding hill. And hey, he's an old newspaper man, editor of the Marion Star, where you're the star in the Marion Star. And it sure beats how they treat former President Rutherford B. Hayes, who was born in neighboring Delaware, Ohio. You know how they chose to honor his birth site? With a plaque at a gas station. <laughs> Nothing like taking in a little presidential history while filling up and grabbing some Haribos. <laughs> we have time for one more? We do. I actually sort of like this game. One more. My name is Mark Lyos. I grew up in Chesterfield, Missouri, the same hometown of Max Scherzer. 
I was a high school pitcher at Parkway Central High School in 10 years before Mad Max. My team lost in the state finals in both the junior and senior year. During my junior year, I was kicked off the team for going AWOL for 24 hours during spring break. I drove from Columbia, Missouri to Fort Walton Beach, Florida with my best friend and didn't feel the team or my parents... I didn't tell the team or my parents what I was up to. My baseball career ended at that point. Fort Walton Beach is Kenny Ray. Oh, that's right. Yes, right. it is. Yes. As far as I know, Max was never thrown off the Parkway Central team. He continued beyond high school at the University of Missouri at, in Columbia. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. We're not going to be f***ing sunk this year. <laughs> We're the Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alex.
Don't you know that I slept in late Cause I stayed out with you last night Waking up on a blue sky day And the flowers are in bloom Don't you know that I'll always be happy Wake up and you're in the room I wish I could feel like this forever Who knows if that's true Times like these don't usually last They drift away into the past And I'll just be left with memories of you Feel like this forever.